0: Welcome to the TSO podcast. I'm Kathleen Kajioka from the New Classical FM.
1: Controversy is a good sign. It means that there is kind of freedom in the opinions of the people. I mean, if the controversy ends, then what it is after that?
0: That's pianist Lucas De You'll hear more from him later in the show. My first guest is Canadian composer Christos Hatzis. The Juno Award winner was born in Greece. He became a Canadian citizen in 1985 and has been a professor of composition at the University of Toronto since 1995. In 2014, Hatzis was commissioned by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission to compose a ballet for the Royal Winnipeg Ballet on the subject of residential schools, a work for which he just won a Juno. This week, the TSO performs his piece, The Isle is Full of Noises. I caught up with Christos Hatzis to find out more about the piece. Christos, welcome. Thank you. How would you describe your compositional style?
2: Uh, Good question. I don't have any description for it. It changes constantly, and uh, I don't like to write the same piece twice.
0: Well, tell us about The Isle is Full of Noises. What's the story behind that piece?
2: It was commissioned by the Montreal Symphony and uh, it was specifically commissioned for a concert that all the works in the concert would be inspired by Shakespeare and it was for the anniversary of Shakespeare's birthday. So it was premiered in 1914 in October. So the piece is inspired by The Tempest and particularly the two monologues, one by Prospero and one by Caliban, uh, which talk about the magical and unreal kind of quality of the island. So the piece itself starts from impressionistic kind of language, but gradually it evolves into it backtracks almost into a classical style. Uh, I knew early on when I was writing it that my piece would be sandwiched between two Mendelssohn pieces. So Mendelssohn's style is just kind of becomes almost like where it finally ends.
0: What particularly should audiences listen for when they are hearing this piece?
2: I'm actually, I, I have this philosophy that the audience should not be instructed to, to listen for anything and just kind of let it go in and, and process it any way the thing is best for their own uh, perception. My music is always has a kind of a direct connection with the listeners, so it's difficult and it's, it's extremely difficult to play, but I'm not expecting the audience to react in, in any specific way.
0: Now, you always have something on the go, Christos. Tell us what you're working on right now.
2: Well, I just finished a a huge project for the Winnipeg Symphony called Symphonia Migration Patterns, which is about climate change and migration. And I'm taking a month off working on a book, which I kind of work on and off for for a while, which has to do about resonance and, and harmonics, Pythagorean harmonics and then i'll i'll dive back into into composing again but i've been working on symphonia for 6 months basically not sleeping at all so i just i just need some time away from
0: composing okay A little uh, little recovery after the birthing <laughs> yeah. process i guess uh, now the tso is performing more canadian music than ever in celebration of canada 150 how is the contemporary canadian musical landscape looking to you these days
2: okay well first of all you know if, if you ask me 50 years ago i would basically be able to tell you what contemporary music is like, but you know, because there was a certain kind of agreement on certain kind of basic principles and what distinguished it from classical music. Nowadays, the field is so wide, I don't think there is one description or one way of addressing the question of how well different kinds of music really fare into the, with, with audiences. My personal interest in general is not addressing Classical audiences. Um, I, I don't. Be, I believe music is one thing. You know, there is no categories. There's no classical or pop and rock or anything like that. These are these are things that you. They were developed when you had different shelves on a, on record stores, but you know, this doesn't exist anymore. You know, and people more and more over the social media they listen to all kinds of music and, and they synthesize it together in their mind. So I don't even personally like the contemporary Canadian music kind of label. It's doing well, it, you know, there are more opportunities for it, particularly for younger composers. Uh, there are also many more Canadian composers. So again, I, I think the balance between composers and opportunities maybe has not changed that much, but the opportunities have definitely uh, multiplied with orchestras and with, with everything else.
0: Well, thank you, Christos, so much for joining us, and we look forward to hearing the is full of noises. Thank you very much. That was composer Christos Hatzis. You can hear his work, The Isle is Full of Noises, performed by the TSO this Wednesday and Thursday. Tickets are available at TSO.ca. You're listening to the TSO podcast. Stay with us. My next guest is young pianist Lucas Debargue. Debarg de didn't start playing the piano seriously until his early twenties. Four years later, he placed fourth in the Tchaikovsky Piano Competition, where he was an audience favorite. Since then, he's released two CDs with Sony Classical. In between concert engagements around Europe and North America, he continues to study piano at his home in Paris. Lucas de makes his TSO debut this week, performing Liszt's Piano Concerto Number 2. He joins me on the line now. Lucas, welcome.
1: Thank you very much.
0: First of all, uh, your story is so fascinating that you started quite late on the piano for someone who has achieved what you have already at 11 years old. Can you tell us a bit about how you got your start?
1: Okay, it's very simple, actually. it's To me, actually, it's not that original. It's that I had the normal life of a normal child, and I went to the music because I, I felt some resonance with something very intimate in me with the classical music, and it's not from my family that didn't uh, listen to that kind of music, So it's really by myself that I discovered it and first I discovered, for example, some concertos of Mozart. I listened to it and I came to the piano like a bit randomly because a friend of mine went to take some piano lessons and I followed him and it didn't have that much uh, close link with listening to classical music. Actually, I approached the piano in a different way and then progressively there was a link that was created, and it stayed for a long time a very personal thing. I had a teacher. I had some teachers. Actually, I'm not an autodidact. I had some teachers before someone quite late. My current teacher said to me that I can become a professional if I make some efforts.
0: Yeah, I'm interested in uh, your mentor, Rina Sherejewskaia. Tell us about her and what has made her such a great support for you.
1: Actually, she's coming from the Great School of Moscow Conservatory, so there is a great tradition of teaching the professional piano there. She had, as a teacher, Lev Vlasenka, who was also the teacher of Mikhail Pletnyov. She has a great knowledge and a great experience on how to prepare for concerts and how to prepare and how to look at the scores and to have a good technique, uh, but not a technique for the fingers, but an intellectual technique and a technique of the ears, how to, to listen from inside, the music from inside and not only make the fingers run on the keys. And this was the first time really when I got a very serious approach and not only speaking about learning something by memory and learning how to make the fingers run on the keys, but just also to pay attention to the score and to find the program of interpretation. So now I consider it much more as a collaboration between her and me and we are both very passionate now about the scores and we are sharing views on the score and I still go to take some kind of lessons with her, but I play the the pieces I, I am learning and then we exchange on the pieces I am learning and practicing at the moment and we share some ideas. So it's really kind of a ping pong or tennis
0: sounds like a marvellous relationship. Not everybody gets that. You're very, very fortunate. You were studying with her for four years before you entered the Tchaikovsky competition. I think she she must have been so inspiring for you to have made such rapid progress. She was,
1: She was, and we made the great choices and the programme. It's a strategy. You have to choose the right programme. You have to be very prepared. But I have to say, we didn't prepare it as a competition. We prepared it as a performance. We are both very excited about the idea of playing in the great hall of the Moscow Conservatory because it's a legendary place we both admire it was a challenge for us to prepare a program to perform there and not to prepare a program to smash the others and to to go to the final round it was absolutely unpredictable for me to go to the final round I, i i didn't participate in order to win I participated in order to play in that place. And it was already a lot for me to go to the first round. And actually, I got more than surprised to be selected after because I had no idea of what the other candidates and what the level. I thought it was an incredible level. For me, it was really incredible to be selected after. Yeah.
0: And you came fourth in the competition, which even that, yeah. some, some thought that that wasn't good enough, that you should have ranked higher. What did you feel about the, I guess, shall we call it controversy around uh, that competition?
1: Yeah, but it's always good. I mean, uh, controversy is a good sign. It means that there is kind of freedom in the opinions of the people. I mean, if, if the, the controversy ends, then what it is after that? Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, everyone agrees on something, but it's super frightening if everyone agrees. (laughs)
0: That's a very good point. So you are currently learning Liszt Piano Concerto Number 2, which you will be performing in Toronto. Can you tell us about this piece?
1: Well, I played this concerto in the final round of the competition, actually. It's not that much played. Very often the pianists choose the first one. I guess the first one is much more demonstrative, even though the, the second is technically... Also very difficult, but it's technically difficult in another sense. That the first is really pyrotechnical, a lot of fireworks and a lot of virtuosic uh, things, very demonstrative. The second one is very interesting in the form. It's kind of a rhapsodic form, like with a theme that is calm at the beginning and starts to be more and more frightening, and then calm again, and then uh, sounds like a march. So it's like the variations very impressive and cinematographic variations on the same little harmonic motif of the beginning. And actually it's challenging for the change of moods, for the orchestra and for the pianist, because the, the writing for orchestra is very clever, there are a lot of solos. So this kind of piece, I have to say, I like when I have a lot of rehearsals because it's good for the orchestra to to feel also comfortable and for each soloist of the orchestra to feel also comfortable to have a a dialogue with the piano and not only the pianist, soloist and uh, superstar of the virtuosic fingers. And uh, you have to understand that I'm absolutely not of this of this world. <laughs> I am not interested in showing off and uh, I am not preparing uh, anything in that, in that order. We have enough of this kind of pianists, and I think they, they deserve what they have and it's absolutely not my center of interest. I don't have a favorite composer, I don't have a favorite period, I don't have a favorite aesthetic. I am just fascinated by some pieces of the repertoire, whatever the composer I have to say, and some pieces that I'm curious about and I want to dig deep in that pieces. I don't know if you see what I
0: mean. I absolutely know what uh, you mean. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we look forward to experiencing your commitment in the list when you come to Toronto. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, no, you're
1: very welcome.
0: That was pianist Lucas de Barg. Catch him center stage with the TSO this Wednesday and Thursday. That brings us to the end of this week's TSO podcast. Don't forget, let us know what you think of the show. Send an email to community at tso.ca or leave a note on our Facebook or Twitter pages. For more music and stories from the Toronto Symphony Orchestra, join us on Sunday night with the TSO. That's every Sunday at 8pm on the new Classical FM. I'm Kathleen Kajioka. Join us next Monday for another episode of the TSO podcast. This spring, escape into music with the Toronto Symphony Orchestra. For a limited time only, tickets are 50% off when you use promo code SPRING. Choose from Beethoven, Mozart, Broadway, and so much more. Some exclusions apply. Hurry, this offer won't last long. Book superb seats now at tso.ca.